Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. I don't know how this happened, but it's 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you're staying healthy and staying safe wherever you are. We're opening a new book of the Torah this week. I'll say a lot more about that in just a moment. But first, let me remind you that if your New Year's resolution was to do more Jewish learning, or even if it wasn't, we are launching two new study communities, study groups, that begin next week. One of them is a Talmud study group that's going to meet on Monday afternoons, Uh, to study Brachot, which is the Talmud's tractate about prayer and blessings. And the other one is a group called Parsha through Midrash, which will meet on Tuesdays, either first thing in the morning or in the early afternoon, to study Midrash passages on the weekly Torah portion. All of these groups are limited to 16 participants each, and they are filling up. So if you're interested... Please go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, and click on New Study Groups and sign up, because we are starting next Monday for Talmud and next Tuesday for Midrash. I can't wait to study with you. Now, as I said, we're in a transitional moment in Torah here. The end of the book of Genesis and the beginning of the book of Exodus. Of course, it's not every year that the new year coincides with the beginning of a new book, It's really just coincidence. I mean, after all, New Year's Day is not a holiday on the Jewish calendar. It has no Jewish meaning whatsoever. But a lot of us are, of course, marking this as a transitional moment. As we end 2023 and start 2024, we look backwards, we look ahead, we think about what it means to end something and start something And so it's kind of strangely appropriate to be starting a new book of Torah at the same time. And it's interesting to note the way that the Torah makes the transition. In the Torah, there are two great foundational stories of who the Jewish people are. One of them is the patriarch-matriarch story, the story that tells that we are the descendants of Abraham and Sarah and their children, that we come from originally Padan Aram, that we have deep roots in the land of Israel, that we are members of a family that struck out together to create a new civilization and a new way of life. The second great foundational story is the Exodus story. It says that we are descendants of slaves. We are the descendants of a nation who were enslaved in Egypt and who made their way out of Egypt with God's help and ultimately found our way back to the promised land. So these two stories in many ways are polar opposites. One of them says we come from the north. The other one says we come from the south. One of them says we are a family. The other one says we are a nation. And yet we tell these two stories over and over and over again. And as we open the book of Exodus, we sit at the transition point between those two stories. And the words that mark the transition, the opening words of the book of Exodus, are as follows. 
ואלה שמות בני ישראל, הבאים מצרימה את יעקב, איש וביתו באו. It says, these, or more accurately, and these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each coming with his own household. Then it goes on to name them, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. It says that there were 70 of them in all. It says that Joseph died and all his brothers died and the entire generation, but the Israelites were fertile and multiplied and increased very greatly so that the land, that is to say the land of Egypt, was filled with them. So as we open the book of Exodus, the Torah is actually looking backwards. It's looking back at the story we just finished reading and rehashing the names of the brothers of Joseph who came down from the land of Canaan to settle in Egypt. It's kind of a funny thing for the Torah to do. We're done with that story. We read it already. They're dead. In fact, as the book of Exodus opens, it's 400 years later. So why are we hearing the names of the brothers that died 400 years ago? I want to look at two commentaries to try to answer that question. One of them is medieval and one of them is modern, but they say actually relatively similar things. First, this is Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra is a 12th century Spanish commentator, and he notices that the book of Exodus actually begins with a connecting word. It doesn't say Elishemot, these are the names. It says Ve'elishemot, and these are the names. And he asks, why does the book of Exodus start with the word and, as if it was in the middle of something rather than at the beginning of something? After all, the book of Deuteronomy starts by saying, Ele hadvarim, these are the words. So Exodus could have just said, these are the names. He answers, our book begins with the letter Vav, the word and, because the end of Genesis relates that Joseph saw the children of the third generation. But, he implies, the end of Genesis didn't tell us what happened to the rest of the brothers. Their story is relayed here, especially in verse 7, where it says that the children of Israel were fruitful and multiplied. In other words, according to Ibn Ezra, this is not the beginning of something new at all. It is the continuation of a story that we've been reading before. The book of Genesis told us that the brothers and Joseph died, but Exodus now wants to tell us the continuation of that story. And so it says, and these are the names of the brothers. By the way, I don't totally buy his explanation because, of course, the end of the book of Genesis does, in fact, tell us that they died. But I think the note, but I think the fact that he notices the word and is really important because there is absolutely a continuity going on here. The Torah is not trying to start something new. It's trying to continue a story or to connect two stories to show that they are, in fact, one story. And that's exactly what Rabbi Laura Duhan says in her commentary. I don't know Rabbi Duhan, but she's from Vancouver. She's a renewal rabbi, Jewish renewal rabbi, and she writes, This list establishes continuity between the book we just finished, Bereshit, and the book we are beginning. Shemot. It lets us know that the characters in Shemot 
Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam are relatives of the characters in Bereshit. So according to Rabbi Duhan, this is all about continuity. The whole purpose of the book of Exodus beginning with these names is to connect the story we've just been reading with the story that we're about to read, to remind us that Moses and Miriam and Aaron and the slaves are the descendants of Reuben and Levi and Joseph. And I think that by reading the text in this way, we are pointing out a very important feature of Jewish life, which is that Jewish life is very much about continuity. As Jews, we see ourselves as continuing participants in a tradition that has been handed down to us, and that we will ultimately hand down as well. That, of course, doesn't mean that the tradition never changes. God knows that Judaism is always evolving and changing to meet the needs of a particular moment in time. But we see ourselves as part of this Shalshelet Kabbalah, this unbroken chain of tradition. And I can think of two really powerful examples of that. One of them is the lighting of Shabbat candles, which is, of course, a central Friday night Shabbat ritual. I can think of a lot of people who have their grandparents or great-grandparents' candlesticks and continue to light them every week. I'm one of them. I have a set of crystal candlesticks that belong to my grandparents, and I light them on Shabbat. And when I light them, I feel that I am carrying on traditions that were handed down to me by my grandparents, and of course handed down to them by their grandparents. So when we light candles, we're not just connecting with God, we're also connecting with generations past, and in a way, with generations future. The other example that pops to my mind is actually the Israeli obsession with archaeology. You know, Israelis and Jews in general care a lot about digging up what's underneath the surface of the land of Israel. We're always looking for ruins and coins and ancient cities that connect us to our own ancient story in the land of Israel. As a reminder, again, of our own continuity, the fact that we are participating in an ancient and ongoing Jewish project of connection between a people, a land, and a way of life. And actually, let me make a bit of an aside here. I, I don't intend for this podcast to be about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but of course, it's always in the background these days. And it occurs to me as I'm saying this that one of the things I regularly see in this conflict is people on both sides trying to disprove the continuity of the people on the other side. That is to say, I'll hear Jews saying to Palestinians, you're not really from here. You were immigrants to this land. There's no such thing as Palestinian people. You don't have an ancient connection to this place. And similarly, I'll hear Palestinians or people who are pro-Palestinian saying to Jews, you're not really from this place. You were from Europe. You were from North Africa. This is not your home. You don't belong here. So we actually have certain elements on both sides of this conflict trying to disprove the belonging or the continuity of the other side. And I've always thought that that argument was useless in both directions, actually, because the reality is that both Jews and Palestinians have really ancient connections 
to the land in which they lived. Sure, some people converted in, some people immigrated in, but on the whole, these are ancient connections. And what you really have here are two peoples who feel themselves connected to a single place and who at some point are going to have to learn how to share that place. In fact, both Jews and Palestinians, you might say, are experts at memory, experts at remaining connected to events that happened in the past and ensuring that those events, those places, continue to hold meaning for us and for our identities even today. Which I think brings me back to my point about this Parsha, which is that this transitional moment between Genesis and Exodus in a way, is not a transition at all. It's a reflection of the fact that Jewish life has always been about continuity. Jewish life has always been about having one eye toward the past and one eye toward the future, making this tradition your own while remaining deeply connected to the hundred generations that came before you. And so, in a sense, when we read Ve'ele HaShemot, and these are the names, we're not only reading the names of the sons of Jacob, we're calling to mind the names of all those who came before us, all those who loved and lived and handed down this tradition that we call Judaism, that helped make us who we are and who we carry with us as we do our Jewish learning and our Jewish living and as we pass it on to one more generation. So, happy secular new year, happy new book of the Torah, and thanks for continuing on this journey of learning with me. See you next week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.